I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Divers and Cheats. This is episode seven. My name is Carter Krishnar, your host. You can find us here at Ravel.tv or at WorldSoccerTalk.com. Uh, a first for us today on Divers and Cheats, we have a repeat guest in Ted Westervelt. Uh, we, we thought we had exhausted the promotion and relegation discussion last week, and in fact we did. But as we talked about last week, uh, Ted is also uh, soccer reform. And there's a lot going on in the world of soccer. He's, he's one of the few soccer people who actually attended the U.S. Senate hearing about the FIFA scandal and the potential uh, collateral damage to, to U.S. soccer and entities in the United States. So we're going to get to Ted in a minute uh, on that. If, for those of you who have not followed the news, there's a lot of haggling going on now about the Copa uh, America Centenario tournament and where that will be held and what will happen with that. Uh, the U.S. apparently wants some sort of guarantee from um, outside entities as to uh, calm the ball in particular as to certain things, certain assurances. And we'll get into that with Ted in a minute. The other big piece of news is Loretta Lynch, the U.S. Attorney General, uh, had a press conference on Monday and there were more arrests coming and the investigation is deepening. So hence, Ted is back this week to discuss this. Ted, how are you? How have you been since we spoke last week? Good. It's been a long time. Yep, uh, it's been. Uh, <laughs> it seems like an eternity, even though I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you. It's been a long. I mean, what the past two weeks have been absurd. It just the, the keep stuff keeps on coming. So let's uh, get right to it, Ted. Uh, you were at the U.S. Senate hearing in July, July fifteenth, uh, on Capitol Hill uh, with uh, Chairman Moran, a Republican from Kansas, and and uh, uh, the ranking member. Uh, uh, Blumenthal, Blumenthal. Connecticut Democrat, who used to be the attorney general in Connecticut, by the way, had a great reputation as the attorney general for going after uh, uh, corporate abuse, we'll just say. So uh, what did you what were your feelings about that uh, particular hearing? And and then I think that segues to everything else we're going to discuss. I think Dan Flynn was such a bizarre choice. I mean, I know there's probably not a lot out there to throw into that to the breach if Sunil doesn't want to show up at those hearings. But Dan Flynn, I've been to a, a couple of hearings in my life, and 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 Dan really, I gasped a lot. And you know, the subject matter is abs- is, is 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 important to me in this case. But he was all over the board, making statements about being not knowing anything and then being uncomfortable and then acknowledging some nausea or something. And then, you know, this and that, and just going back and forth and, you know, watching the senators just look at him like, like I'm looking at him and I'm like, what, what, you know, this guy sounds guilty. This guy sounds like he's hiding something. It's, it's, yeah, I think that was the general perception in the room. And I think um, with Jennings there to pound home the fact about, Gulati not showing up, uh, it was a pretty remarkable experience. Yeah, and, and, and I think it was a pretty humbling experience for poor Dan Flynn. I mean, he is a bureaucrat, and he's a guy that uh, he has good and bad. There, there are things about Dan Flynn I like a lot uh, from observing the game and observing the Federation. Mm-hmm. Things I don't like so oh, much. Oh, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Right. Just, but- I'm not sure that he knew what he was getting himself into. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, 
But how could the Federation well, president? These guys put, aren't really used to scrutiny at all. And when they have to face it in that uh, in that setting, it was it was it was remarkable. Now, why would uh, the Federation president, uh, Sunil Gulati, who is uh, synonymous with this Federation going back to uh, the late 80s uh, in, in one role or another uh, with the game in the U.S.? Why, why do you think he sk skipped this? I mean, and the excuse given was that uh, it is right after the Women's World Cup final. Well, if I'm if I'm his attorney, I don't let him go. I mean, he he could say any number of things that would that would that would <laughs> that would freak his attorney out. He's I think you got to keep him on a short lease. He's got a long history with everybody involved in the FIFA scandal, and you you name it. He, they, everybody he's touched, everybody he's been he's been he's dealt with. I mean, he's been around this for a long, long time, and he knows all these guys quite well, and you know. Like we were saying last week, uh, Garber and Gulati really pride themselves on dancing with the devil here. And they've been dancing with these devils for quite a while. They like to think that they've gotten the best of them. And, and you know, we, we showed them. And, yeah, we, we're not corrupt, and they are. But, man, I don't know how long you can dance with, with these guys and without going home with them. You know what I'm saying? Right. So let's talk a little bit about uh – and this is a follow-up to last week's discussion. I don't want to get into promotion and relegation tonight, but you mentioned something very important last week that our listeners need to be aware of, that Don Garber at SoccerX said, I hope FIFA continues to – I'm paraphrasing him now. I don't have the quote in front of me. I hope FIFA continues to look away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I have on my run sheet, but uh, look away yep. from what we're doing. Now, the reason I think that comes up is because Chuck Blazer isn't there to protect the United States anymore. And mm -hmm. Seth Blatter will no longer be the president of FIFA. Um, let's say Michelle Platini wins this election. He may not be as invested in profiting off the American market and allowing the U.S. Uh, pro leagues and the U.S. Federation to violate rule after rule after rule. Uh, and, and perhaps Garber has a sense of that. Well, I mean, I think MLS and the United States and U.S. soccer benefited from a perception of being a backwater for a long time. And I think... I think at this point you got to acknowledge um, with the FBI and everything that you know uh, you got to take us seriously, and you can't just you can't just let people experiment with all the rules over here, and you know hope that they don't use that freedom to undermine you. Let's say because I think that that's becoming the perception over in uh, Switzerland and and probably in South America and probably in a lot of other places where guys are getting dragged over the coals. You know, and in many cases probably rightly so, but. You know, the U.S. is certainly taking an activist role in soccer and to just say that we don't count and you can just let us go and do our own thing. I think that's I hope Michelle knows that that's probably not the best way to go anymore. There are rules in this country. There are consequences for misdeeds. There are consequences for illegalities. OK, I'm not trying to take shots mm -hmm. at other nations. Other football no, nations, exactly. But in Comneval and in CONCACAF, we have a lot of nations where corruption There's a higher tolerance for corruption. There's a higher tolerance for uh, uh, graft, if you will. Uh, graft is part of the culture. Graft is part of the culture in football. Exploitation is part of the culture in football. That is not right. part of the American ethos and the American culture. We we have uh, – I'm not saying you – know, Ted and I both come from the political world, right? We're both former uh, Democratic Party political operatives. So we uh, we both know so, that there's – So we know hyperbole when we hear it. <laughs> yeah, right. We do know hyperbole when we hear it, but we also know that not, things aren't always on the up and up in, in, in the U.S. system either. But – if you break laws, right, there right, are let me throw this in quick. Have you been, have you watched Narcos at all? The new show on Netflix. I am. I I, I have it in my queue. I'm going to watch it. So the intro to Narcos reminded me of the situation. It just it just struck me because they went over uh, the "Just Say No to Drugs" campaign that Reagan did in, in the 80s, and the way they portrayed it was. You know, nobody really cared about the drug trade and nobody was that concerned about the community, uh, about the, you know, the communities that were using drugs and the harm that it was doing communities until there were billions and billions of dollars going through Florida. And then suddenly the U.S. government decided, you know what, we got to get on top of this. And then they produced, the, you know, Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan doing their passionate speeches on kids and drugs and everything like that. But I just thought that was a really interesting take and sort of a, you know, a, a, had, a, had a common theme with what was going it's on here. It's kind of analogous to this situation in a way. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, a, I'm not saying everything's on the up and up in this country. But what I am saying right. is that if you, if, if you start to abuse the system and you start to do dirty deals using um, the U.S. banking system and using our financial system, you will get caught and you will face consequences. So. Right. Right. With that in mind, there has been, I, I think, a campaign uh, by some to then say, OK, 
Uh, you're right about that. And everything with the diatribe I just gave, you're correct. Uh, and that's why U.S. soccer are victims. That's why uh, the system is a victim here, because uh, these were people abusing our system and our federation didn't know about it. Well, actually, it's right. not that simple. It's not that right. simple. So many of these deals that were uh, read the DOJ uh, documents, read, read some of the indictments. So many of these deals involved tournaments that were held on the U.S. on U.S. soil where U.S. soccer uh, was involved in uh U.S. soccer obviously hosted a tournament, uh, or the United States hosted a tournament. U.S. soccer benefited directly from hosting tournaments. Um, keep in mind uh, some of the things we learned in the Champions World lawsuit about how they make money off of games that are held on U.S. soil. And um, there is no doubt, I think, in, in, in the minds of many that uh, it's difficult to understand if things were going on at the CONCACAF level. Now, if Ball was doing things... Uh, that's a whole another story. But at the CONCACAF level, without the United States, with CONCACAF headquarters being in New York first and then in Miami, with Chuck Blazer as the Secretary General, an American, uh, it's very difficult to, 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 to kind of take the U.S. out of this loop. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, that's what it feels. I mean, Juan Arango said some great things about this recently, too. Uh, he's uh, If there's any... There are people out there that are picking up that there's some kind of distaste with the current negotiations on uh, the Copa America Centenario and and negotiations with South America because of all the, the you know the dirty business going on down there and because of all the corruption. When the one you know one of two guys and probably the key kingpin guy of them all, the guy we know is guilty is the American Chuck Blazer. You know, it's, it's here. He is, this is, this is, he's the guy who's the center of this entire investigation. So, I mean, everything, right. I suspect that everything's going to ride on his testimony. So it's so weird to see people sort of saying, well, we got to be careful who we deal with when that, that, that was the guy in our midst for 15, 20, 25 years. Right. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable when you think about that, because they, they've said, well, it's these people coming to U.S. soil, abusing our system, abusing the banking system here, uh, taking advantage of, of, uh, of kind of the openness that we had, uh, open arms towards this sport. Well, um, look, this, this is a very, um, this is a very, very, uh, difficult thing to, to rationalize unless you're just taking talking points. Because if you think about this in any kind of logical fashion, Chuck Blazer was intimately involved in just about everything that the U.S. that the U.S. did via CONCACAF and via FIFA for a long period of time. He was a FIFA Exco member. He had access to Chuck uh, to he's Chuck Blazer. He had access to Seth Blatter. He had uh, the ability to go to Seth Blatter, go to the FIFA Expo and say, hey, we don't want a television contract done with NBC because they don't they, they're not involved in the domestic game in the country. They do not uh, they do not um, show Major League Soccer games. Uh, or any of the lower divisions. So here's the company that does, and then there's a, 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 a marketing company associated with that, uh, with MLS, and uh, why, don't, why don't we do a deal with them? Um, it is undeniable if that you that happens. If you, if you take Chuck Blazer out of American soccer history, you might be left without Gold Cup. You might yeah. be left without CONCACAF Champions League. Oh, you would definitely be left CONCACAF without CONCACAF Champions be, League. CONCACAF That's... might be the same backwater it was in 1983, and now it's a, a real voting block. CONCACAF itself has changed radically since Chuck Blazer was there. He, you know, he Chuck Blazer. We all know he's guilty of X, Y, and Z. But I mean, he he was intimately involved with everything in CONCACAF. And from what Garber and Gulati say, he was intimately involved in quite a few things going on with them. That's that's what I think everybody would feel comfortable acknowledging that. Okay, so that uh, that that's really kind of now where I want to move this discussion. Chuck Blazer was responsible in large part for uh, professionalizing CONCACAF, uh, moving the headquarters to New York. He and Jack Warner, he had, uh, the U.S. had aligned with the Caribbean block at the time, uh, the CFU block mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in, in within the uh, confederation, had uh, left Mexico City. It had always been kind of a, a confederation dominated by uh, Mexico and Central American countries. They were able to, to create this Gold Cup tournament. Uh, 
hosted on American soil, do these deals with traffic. Or Inner Forever Sports was, was 50% owned by traffic, 50% owned by a fellow named Tom Hicks, who uh, I think our listeners might know who he is. He co-owned Liverpool for many years. He's a uh, close personal friend of President George W. Bush and, of course, took over the Texas Rangers when Bush became president um, and, uh, and uh, uh, had to divest from the baseball team. So he, he, he was able to bring Gold Cup uh, and make it a permanent fixture on the American soccer landscape. He was able to then create um, a voting block, as you said, a CONCACAF voting block within, um, within FIFA. So then in 1998... Sepp Blatter is the underdog for uh, FIFA president. He is seen as the uh, the insider establishment candidate uh, t- tied to Jao Hadlodge, mm-hmm. who there were lots of questions about. And you know, now we know. I mean, now it's all come out about Jao uh, Jao Hadlodge. Um, Bla- Blazer, many would argue, in that 1998 election, would Sepp Blatter won. Um, at the 51st FIFA Congress, when he beat uh, mm-hmm. Leonard Johansson, who was a uh, who was a, seen as much more of a reformer, um, and it was a controversial election. It was a very uh, uh, there was talk of financial irregularities, backroom dealings, all this stuff. The thought was that Chuck Blazer. Now these are these are pe- there are a lot of people who weren't involved in soccer, Ted. They didn't follow soccer like you and I did in that in those days in this country. Chuck Blazer, nobody delivered. did, right? Yeah, nobody did. It was <laughs> you and me, and maybe the pe- few people listening tonight. That Chuck Blazer delivered the election for Sepp Blatter, 1998, and then yeah, I did. Everybody's bragging in the United States. Wow, we got this influence. I mean, I because I was kind of indoctrinated in the N- MLS culture. I will admit, in 98, 99, I didn't break away from uh, the MLS kind of. Um, robotic MLS way of thinking until 2001 when uh, they folded the mutiny and the fusion. I said, whoa, 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 you just take our teams away from us like that? And then just I started cut question. Florida yeah, off. Yeah, just yeah, cut yeah, just cut it off, cut it off, let's float into the Caribbean. Um, so I didn't really start to question this stuff until then. But I remember even being at the um, the MLS All-Star game in, in Orlando in 1998 at the Citrus Bowl. And it's just like this jubilation. You know, we've got, even though we did poorly and we, we were the worst team in the World Cup, we've got this influence now. We now matter in the world of football because of this. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and the U.S. took advantage of that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there was no there was no, no, no ifs, ands, and buts about that. But the U.S. had this very, very close re- uh, relationship with uh, – uh, with Seth Blatter from that point on, and, and uh, Chuck Blazer was able. Oh, to- the, the Mickle, it's the Mickle article in uh, Sports Business Journal. That's, I mean, it's a glowing, it's it's a glowing portrayal of Chuck Blazer, and 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 a very interesting outline of of how deeply involved he was in in American soccer and working directly with Garber and working directly with Gulati. I mean, they're, they're in, in in a way that's. You know, everybody's pouring accolades on him and he's making a big difference in, in, in MLS getting some things that they want. Right. Right. So um, get, going back to our timeline here, 1998, Blatter becomes president uh, of FIFA mm-hmm. and uh, Blazer had been elected to the executive execco two years ago. He became the rainmaker. And um, because he had all these Caribbean nations in lockstep with him. And remember, FIFA is very democratic, a country with 400 people and no registered footballers can get uh, if their FIFA member can has the same weight as a, a Germany or <laughs> a, a, a Brazil or, you know, you, you know, a big a, 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 a populous nation with a great football culture. Right. England has the same. Right. Montserrat has the same weight as England in the FIFA election. Right. So it's right. very democratic if you look at that as democracy. I, I don't. So we um, can talk about Aguila in a minute then, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I, we, you know, we, we, we uh, Ted, I think you and I believe in representative democracies, right? That's why we, <laughs> we don't like gerrymandered congressional districts and, and such. Well, you know, there's a House and there's a Senate, and it helps that you have both, right? Well, yeah, I guess. So there should be some to balance out the feet of Congress because it's, it's, it's a joke. So – he was able to, to essentially package the votes of about 30 FIFA members for Sepp Blatter. And from that point on, the U.S. has all this influence. Let's talk a little bit about this. So um, MLS has is, is got the single entity structure and they've got uh, a situation where they're in 
violation of FIFA rules on any number of things. Um, there's no uh, there's no scrutiny. You have to believe uh, Blazer had, had a lot to do with that. It doesn't seem like a big leap of of, of anything. To, I mean, that's like a micron wide. <laughs> I don't think you're jumping to any conclusions there. Uh, right. But of course, uh, many will say that this is a radical, radical thought. <laughs> radical thought. <laughs> okay. So then let's, let's, jump, thought. let's just jump, jump ahead a few years. So 2000, uh, 2002, 2003, that time period, MLS is really struggling. Uh, there is a, uh, a situation where MLS is able to make a, uh, a large, uh, a, a, a pretty significant deal with Adidas to, um, to prop up the league. I've heard some rumblings, and, and, and this is uh, – it hasn't been reported anywhere. I've heard some rumblings that uh, Blazer, with his um, ties within FIFA, uh, who had Adidas as kind of – well, that was the Jao Havalanche deal going way back when, right? Adidas became like this exclusive um, behemoth. Adidas became what they are uh, because of FIFA and, and Graft and, and, and all of this – the culture around FIFA uh, and Nike felt like they had to bribe their way in, which is why they bribed traffic and got the Brazil deal. But um, there's some suspicion that that uh, deal, which really was, was cut at a time where MLS had very little commercial value, uh, had something mm-hmm. to do with Chuck Blazer. Then we talked about the TV deals. Um, MLS never got a TV rights fee before this deal in 2006 that delivered the 2010 and 2014 World Cups to ESPN uh, or via some when the actual high bid had gone to NBC, had been uh, tabled by NBC. And um, mm-hmm. we, we've already documented World Soccer Talk at our website, worldsoccertalk.com. Um, Blazers influence with that. Uh, we're going to keep going with some of these events in a minute, but, but here's what I want to get at, Ted, with this. Whether or not this is the thing that people are not getting, okay? Um, Don Garber can say we weren't part of the corruption, okay? Sunil Gulati hasn't said anything, but uh, people who are defending USSF can say we were not part. Well, we'll get back to the USSF in a minute. Don Garber says we were not part of the corruption. But did you directly benefit from the presence of someone who is the center of this investigation, who is the epicenter of this entire scandal, I don't think it, you, can, you can even make a case to the contrary. Yes, 100% yes. It's a 100% yes. I, you know, sue me. It's 100% yes. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a Garber, a Garber himself said so. I mean, the guy, you, you, you can go back and look at the quotes. In that, especially in that winning the commissioner's award, and I think it was 2006, he, he, I mean, that's an incredible story. I mean, to watch to just the portrayal of 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 of, of Chuck walking into the MLS owners meeting and and how all the guys basically gave him a standing O. Uh, you know, I, I don't I, I don't I think that that it's it, it's so straightforward as to be as to be a com, more than common sense. I think it's 100 percent apparent. Right. OK, so. Um, let's talk about the other league, the other major professional league in the United States, which is the North American Soccer League. The NASL directly benefited from traffic sports, who are a big part of the scandal. They directly benefited from traffic sports, putting money into into the league, really funding the league, really being the driving force behind the league. They still own the Carolina Railhawks. So there's no question the NASL is tainted by this. And I, I don't think there's right. a case to the contrary. There are NASL fans that argue with me all the time, but there's a case to the contrary. There isn't. But the point is, if you're well, going to, if Davidson's you're going to, indicted, right. David, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, Davidson's, it's obvious. Okay. Right. NASL is involved in traffic, NASL connect and Davidson. It's okay. Right. And I completely agree with that. And I've been vigilant at going, going after NASL. They haven't given us uh, in the media, the answers that we, that we need. And uh, I understand that their sensitivities because of the legalisms, but they've, they've been dodging things. But the point is they're being held to one standard and MLS is being held to another because uh, I think NASL is knee deep in this. I've said that. Uh, I, I continue to say that. But MLS, there are similar questions that have to be asked of MLS. And so Alexi Lawless asks, asks a question uh, on at the All-Star game at that uh, dog and pony show uh, <laughs> in, in Denver or in your neck of the woods uh, last month. Yeah. And uh, or yeah. a month and a half ago, and 
uh, the answer is no. And then everybody drops and said, well, okay, I guess that's, uh, um, well, the answer was, the answer was it's, it's, it's a hundred thousand percent corruption free or something like that. Yeah. And, and then I, it, it dropped, it dropped at soccer X to a hundred percent. So it dropped by <laughs> well over 9,000% <laughs> the certainty on no corruption, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Of course I tweeted out something very sarcastic after saying, well, I guess that closes, closes the case. Now little and I yeah. know that, uh, the, the, most of my colleagues in the journalist, uh, in the soccer writer community were, saying, were were actually probably looking at my tweet saying, yeah, 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 that's right. It's over. <laughs> when in fact, I was just, my tweet was dripping with sarcasm. I should have put the little hashtag yeah. sarcasm so people knew that. I think people who knew me knew I was being sarcastic. But, um, so then it might have been over. It might have been over if Gulati shows up at the Senate hearing. Right. They could, they could have put it to rest. up at the Senate hearing. <laughs> right. That so, leaves it wide open. Well, okay, so let's let, let let let's let's get back to that. Let's get back to the federation because that's where I was going next. So, yes. Sunil Gulati has not said anything. We keep hearing U.S. soccer has nothing, ha, ha, has no connection, no role in this. Although, um, again, I I would point out that Chuck Blazer and I, I when I mentioned NASL a minute ago, Chuck Blazer also had a relationship with NASL. Don't kid yourself. I I, I don't want to speak too much out of school oh, having yeah. being a former NASL hey, employee. And I'll say it again, Chuck Blazer, I know Chuck Blazer was intimately involved with every segment of American soccer, basically in every segment of CONCACAF and all the way up as high and far and wide as he could go, he was involved. So it's not like, and I'll get back to that later. I mean, that's a great segue to a lot of things in and of itself. Like you can't draw the line around Chuck, Chuck Blazer's behavior and where he goes. So anyway. Yeah, he had meetings with us. Well, I mean, we talked to him at the NASL. Right. I'm not. Right. I won't deny that. I'm not going to get into more specifics than that. But we we talked to him. Uh, and it wasn't like, hey, we talked to him once 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 every twelve months. And we talked to him regularly. Um, and mm-hmm. I think MLS probably talked to him more regularly. But again, that's assumption. I don't know that. Getting back to Sunni, uh, but my point is, Blazer, his influence in FIFA was allowed every U.S. professional league be it an MLS with major violations of FIFA statutes, NESL with somewhat more minor violations, but still violations, things that are not in compliance. USL with a structure that is, I, I mean, the USL structure is the most foreign structure to soccer in, in, in on the planet. I don't think there's another league structured about, like USL. Uh, yet they have not been nailed by FIFA for years. And I mean, this is one of the things I was telling uh, um, uh, the, our NASL owners when we were starting out, you know, you, you guys keep saying uh, MLS has got rules by I mean, USL. The USL is being run like a Ponzi scheme. Excuse my language. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. It's what it was for years. Um, that's why our owners bailed and started NASL. And, um, uh, but they were protected. And if, if someone ran a league like USL in, in, a, in another country, they would have been shut down. So basically, uh, and they would have been shut down either by their federation or FIFA would have stepped in or their confederation would have stepped in. So my point is that um, – and, and, and in the time of that breakaway, we've got MLS forming its initial relationship with USL. If I've got my timeline well, straight, no, right? actually they tried they tried to form the relationship with NASL at that point because, um, and in fact, this this I got into with the whole uh, standards D1 D2 standards thing, which I don't want to get into tonight. But at that point, uh, the NASL was the favored party of MLS, which is why when the D2 vid came up, the standards. Mysterious, mysteriously changed to where only NASL could be in compliance, even though both leagues applied. So NASL got E2, and then MLS started talking, to, doing a deal with NASL. Keep in mind, our commissioner had worked with U.S. Soccer. Great guy, David Gibbs. Right. He's not involved in any of this, but he knew all the principles. So at the time, Sunil and Chuck Blazer and uh, Garber, they were all they were all for NASL, and then it changed. Um, when NASL began to get some different ambitions, and uh, then they ran to USL. So it's actually the timeline's a little skewed, but my point is all these leagues are not in compliance, and they're not getting nailed, and I think that is, that's directly related to Chuck Blazer. Um, then you have a, a U.S. Soccer Federation that has to be in compliance with FIFA rules, and yet they're not. They're not forcing their professional leagues to be in compliance with FIFA rules. These are the sorts of questions that might just have come up had Sunil Gladi attended the J- July 15th hearing. These are the sorts of questions that might have mushroomed from the foreign press had he shown up because Andrew Jennings came. So because Andrew Jennings came, and of course you were there, Ted, 
there were people paying attention mm-hmm. on uh, in, in other parts of the world. But mm-hmm. by not showing up, now, so Sunil Gulati might have had to ask answer uh, on, on you know tough questions, uh, you know kind of uncomfortable questions like, well, why have you let U.S. sell essentially run a Ponzi scheme with their business on the um, record? Yeah. yeah, right. Why, why have you let uh, NASL not be in compliance with it? But those are minor compared to now what might be swirling speculation wise because he didn't show up. And that's the ultimate takeaway. Um, so getting back to this, 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 this situation we find ourselves in, Copa America Centenario, allegedly in the DOJ documents, over 100 million in bribes from traffic sports to secure the rights, marketing rights to that tournament and bring it to the United States. Um, it, I'm not making a leap of faith here, right? Uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation had to know that there was something going on there right you you just think they're thick as thieves <laughs> you know you can't I, I don't know separating them at any point in time is 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 difficult well i mean and and i was going to interject a piece of the timeline that 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 i hope we could we could touch on briefly when when uh, when uh, Blazer was uh, lost his job, shall we say, at uh, at the FIFA ESCO, and and how Sunil Gulati got that job, I think that's another really interesting moment in the uh, in the in the Gulati Blazer yeah. U.S. Soccer and if maybe you, MLS conundrum right there. Yeah, if you think the so, U.S. has I been mean, a great great um, champion of reform in FIFA, uh, like uh, they tried, like some of some people have tried to represent it, uh, uh, saying, well. Uh, they, they, we're, we're vigilant like England is, England's FA or, or some of these other FAs. Well, actually, the U.S. has now had continuously a member on the FIFA ex- Executive Committee for 19 years. That's, yeah. um, um, that is one of the longest runs of any country. It's only been two guys. Um, so this 2000, this timeline with the, with the set scenario, Copa, um, uh, Conley Ball announces that they're going to have the Copa America in the United States, that scenario in 2012. CONCACAF in the summer, late summer of 2012, September 2012. Uh, mm. CONCACAF and U.S. Soccer say, "Hey, wait a second. We haven't we haven't discussed this with uh, with Tommy uh, Ball. We, we we're not ready to do this. Nothing is heard publicly for about nine months. Then they make the announcement. CONCACAF, Tommy Ball, uh, they're 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 going to have a 16 team tournament. There'll be six CONCACAF teams in it. It'll be on U.S. soil." Directly benefits U.S. soccer. Traffic is a marketing agency. Now we know traffic market uh, bribe uh, paid a bribe in that period of in excess of 100 million dollars, according to the uh, DOJ documents, which I'm referencing right now, as as we're as we're having this discussion. So, Ted, how how is it? I, I mean, I'm not implying anything here, but how is it that journalists have not? Well, I'm not implying anything, but I I do think questions have to be asked. How is it that journalists right. have not asked the question? Well, what, in that nine-month period, what did the U.S. Soccer Federation have to do with uh, all, all of a sudden this 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 thing? Because obviously, the rights got secured and mo- the tournament got moved to the United States, uh, and Concacaf signed off on it after this bribe had been paid. This alleged bribe, right? Uh, well, traffic as an entity is pled guilty, so uh, I don't know that we can really say it's alleged anymore. It's it's, it's kind of right. a factual piece of evidence now. They put guilty on this. So uh, right. how the U.S. now gets to host this tournament, right? They're getting to host this. This is the biggest tournament that's been on U.S. soil, uh, uh, men's tournament. We've had, we've had a Women's World Cup. We had two because of the, 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 the SARS outbreak in China. But um, right. we uh, this is the biggest men's tournament that's been on U.S. soil, soil since the 94 World Cup. And the, U, and the U.S. Soccer Federation has no, has no idea about these bribes and, and the stuff that was done to secure the tournament. They have no, they have right. no, it just happened underneath their nose. Um, and so they're innocent bystanders. Okay. So if they're innocent bystanders, let's take that premise for a minute that, 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 that we're getting, oh, well, you know, this is, this is terrple What traffic's done. This is terrible. What common ball's done and funky cap's done. Why weren't they, um, for, for fulfilling their role as a watchdog for oversight, uh, on the game of the United States? It's one or the other. I mean, they're, 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 they've, they've got to, they've well, got to a problem one way or another. Question. I mean, I, I think the press, I, you know, I don't think anybody's paying anybody to write this story right now. And I wish somebody would pay somebody to write this story. I mean, it would, you know, 
uh, I'm sure a number of guys would love to write this story if a Reuters would run it or if an AP would want it or, you know, but I, I, I think the question is how do I, I hope that that we're doing enough as as fans and supporters to put that out there to say we want to know we we are an audience that wants to know we're not the casual fans that they say we are we want to know what's going on here we care we're not you know we, we're not the hayseeds europe thinks we are we want to know what's going on with our federation we want to know about this corruption here we're not going to accept that it's just some kind of well, it, it happened over there and and there was this crazy blazer guy, but he he's not really involved. But, in a, you know, hopefully we can raise the consciousness and raise questions enough to know that there's a market to tell this story and, and, and people that really want to hear it. And I think we'll pass that. But in terms of U.S. soccer not being a watchdog, I mean, for, for me, that ended about 10 years ago. I, I never I don't believe that. I think the ties between U.S. soccer and MLS are such that Sunil's got his hands full with Don Garber and 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 dealing with that stuff, and 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 Sunil's got his hands full with keeping Klinsman on the payroll right now, and Sunil's got his hands full with doing the things he can do to be independent, and what the federation can get away with under its current current arrangements with with MLS and other leagues and and Soccer United marketing. So I, I don't know we. There are so many places to go with that. I mean, starting with the fact that Sunil's not even a paid employee of, any, of U.S. soccer. Sunil's, Sunil's getting paid by uh, three or four other entities and not U.S. soccer. For a while there, Sunil was getting paid by uh, Bob Kraft, by a Kraft Sports Enterprises, New England Revolution, NFL, whatever you want to say. So, you know, I, I think it all goes back to, for me, it all goes back to the historic stuff in terms of, how do you have a federation that governs anything in a with a closed league system? But I know we're not talking about that. But schools out from there, and you have a you have a federation that is in very many ways, uh, to me, starts to look like more of a storefront for for somebody else than a than a, than a real independent federation. And I think this is a classic example. Yeah, this is this is uh, a kind of a textbook study in, in how you don't. You don't conduct yourself either. Either you have some complicity or, or knowledge of, of these uh, these mis uh, these misdeeds. Because again, this is the largest tournament since the 1994 World Cup to be uh, in in the men's game to be hosted on U.S. soil. Revenue wise, and it's not like they didn't know it was coming. They've been they've been they've been being fed this and sold this, and traffic's been going back and forth with them. And everybody's been. I mean, this is no mystery. Uh, you know, <laughs> of course they were. Of course they. Of course, somebody over there was digesting this information. And then what happens on the other end? I mean, where where does it go? I mean, what happens and 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 and, and why can't we or sh why aren't we demanding more answers? I guess is probably where I would go with it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think there's any real, real sense now um, as to why uh, U.S. soccer uh, isn't answering questions because um, they're not their feet's not being held to the fire by American journalists. They're being held to the fire by journalists, with some exceptions. And I'm going to get into one or two yeah. exceptions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not uh, everybody. But, but, it's not everybody. Right. Andrew Jennings uh, made some pretty heady accusations at that Senate hearing that you attended, and then the next morning on uh, Jason Davis's show on Soccer Morning. Uh, right. Right. And, and among the things uh, he said was that. The, the U, U.S. Soccer Federation is knee-deep in this. They can't play innocent bystander, innocent victim. What do you look, think the way I look at it is it's good cop, bad cop. Gulati's been playing good cop with FIFA, and Garber's been playing bad cop, or Abbott when Garber's not in the picture. But So you got some of this good cop, bad cop that's going to be going on for so long with the same people. And... I think that that once you once you sort of I, I, for me, it helps to put it in that framework. And then you can see sort of Gulati over there dancing and 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 telling Sepp everything is more or less copathetic and he's going to vote for him. And, and we're going to do this and that. And then Garber over here and that crew saying, man, eh, we're not really comfortable and making uncomfortable noises about FIFA and here and there and then talking about corruption. And so, you, you know, that's that good cop, bad cop dance been going on for two decades, basically. Well, before before. Garber was there. Blazer was playing part of that role as well. So, you know, 
that that always I always go back to that model when trying to wrestle with this stuff. And and it makes Jennings right. Jennings, they, in order to play that game, you've got to know what you're playing with. In order to do that, you need to know how you're approaching the situation. You need to at least feel like you have an understanding of your adversary to even play good cop, bad cop. And I think Gulati knew again, it goes back to that quote I, I gave last week. Uh, Gulati said, it's hard to take the moral high ground when you're standing in quicksand. I don't know how you can be more vivid about that description of what was going on. I think Sunil had every, every idea of what was going on with FIFA. It's hard to imagine after making that comment that he didn't know what was happening. I mean, to those two are so incongruous. It's, it would be, yeah. it would be a laughing matter. It's a leap, leap of faith to think that you let him <laughs> off the hook for that. So, so the next, the next, uh, uh, piece of this uh, that, that I want to hit is some of the uh, the reporting that we've seen that's been doing really excellent coming on the U.S. press. Uh, let me, let, let's discuss Olivia Byrd's uh, continuing series, continuing investigation, which began because obviously Byrd is based in Seattle, it's from Seattle, and uh, it's a youth club, uh, a crossfire in the Seattle area that uh, under FIFA rules was entitled to part of the transfer fee from MLS, uh, that MLS received from Tottenham for um, for the uh, 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 services of DeAndre Yedlin. In fact, I, I believe Spurs originally reached out to this youth club and, 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 offered, and agreed to pay them. Um, and, and it kind of went from there. So solidarity payments, uh, uh, Bird, who writes for SI.com, has continued on this theme. In Senator Maria Cantwell's uh, uh, long uh, letter that was uh, long, long questions that were sent to U.S. Soccer, and uh, U.S. Soccer then answered them, and, and Sports Illustrated, SI.com, did run uh, the answers. FIFA, uh, uh, U.S. Soccer basically admits that um, they have this this policy that they have not a uh, this FIFA rule has not been implemented with regards to all three pro leagues in the United States, MLS, NASL, and USL. That they've allowed those leagues just to collect uh, pocket transfer fees, uh, which uh, right. uh, involve youth clubs. I know here in South Florida, uh, Josie Altidore's youth club under the solidarity payment scheme could be owed as much as in reality, a million dollars for that transfer from uh, MLS to Villarreal in, in, in early 2009, uh, or was it early 2008? It, it, it was whenever Josie turned 18, which would have been early 2008. So um, right. it, it, there, there, there is a lot of money that would be owed to youth clubs. I know even at the NASL level, we sold some guys um, that probably I'm sure uh, because again, the USSF has admitted their, their attorneys admitted they were not enforcing this rule uh, that uh, uh, the youth clubs were, were entitled to. So it's th- this is now an issue where the federation is basically saying that they're they're admitting they knowingly had a policy that's different than what is in FIFA statutes, which I, I think is quite remarkable because it's with the U.S. Senator asking the questions. The, f- the final piece of this before I, I get your comment on, the, on this matter is that um, suddenly there were people in the U.S. soccer press and influential supporters in, in the U.S. following the publishing of the uh, exchange between Senator Cantwell and U.S. soccer that said, well, the reason for this is because we have a pay-to-play scheme at our youth clubs, and they get money anyway. <laughs> and if, if a guy is being trained at a club in England, they don't get they don't get they don't get the money. So that's why there's a solidarity payment thing. I, I have to point out a, n- a number of these players. Um, there is a pay-to-play thing. I've railed against the youth soccer structure in the United States before. That's, tonight's not about that. What this is about is, is, is reminding people that not everybody is in a pay-to-play scheme. There are elite youth clubs that give scholarships, just like universities do, to elite talents. And the guys who generally get sold on and make it to European clubs or to clubs abroad outside the United States are those elite talents that get scholarships from these youth clubs, which they pay for. Someone else underwrites it. The parents of the kids aren't paying for it. So uh, I don't know if that's specifically the case with Yedlin. I don't know if that's specifically the case with Altador, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. So your, your thoughts on this whole thing, because it seems like there's been pushback from people in, in the U.S. kind of soccer community saying, well, there's a reason for this. There's a reason why we're doing it differently. It's ridiculous. I mean, if parents are responsible for deciding who the talents are that we are going to bring to the fore in United States soccer, we're in big trouble. So if you're using that pay-to-play system and saying that it's universal, you're you're acknowledging 
the, I mean, and I'm not a development guy, but you know, and, and like, the guy I would always say to talk to is Gary Kleiman, but it just yep. seems to me that if you're going to say that this is a simply a parent funded system, you're acknowledging a total lack of any knowledge and any, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. Like you were alluding to, and you have to have some kind of system by which players that whose parents don't have $60,000 to drop on training can, can, can come to the fore, can be recognized and can be dealt with and can be developed. And to use the pay to play system as some kind of block to that or some kind of excuse to as, as, as this is how things work here and we don't do it the other way just speaks volumes of, of why we are still in the same position in many ways that we were in in 19 freaking 27. So right there, I mean, it, it, that, that's, that's, that's the straight comment. So these clubs need a way. I mean, if you want to grab these players, you got to find a way to fund the ones who can't, whose parents aren't attorneys or aren't PR people or aren't bringing in, you know, you're talking, I mean, for a parent to pay as much as just to go to, to take these kids to that level, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's an absurd amount of money. So yeah, you got to find a way the solidarity system works even here. And, and, and I, of course I would say in a promotion relegation system, it makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, it's certain like a lot of the things around soccer, they make more sense in an open system than a closed system. But even here, solidarity, solidarity payments would work wonders if they, if, if that system was committed to in any way, shape or form. Right. And, and now my theory is I'm, I'm glad MLS has taken an interest in youth development and that we have a lot of uh, MLS youth academies. And then there's some NASL teams and few that have. Well, no, it's nice to see some of the MLS guys out there who are really pushing like the Heinemans and, 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 and Salt Lake and, and, and trying to do this right. I mean, the yeah. guys that are committed straight to soccer and not, you know, maybe not some of the guys who are who are who are using it more of like maybe a hedge or a leverage point for some yeah. one of their other properties. Right. So, using it you know, there are right guys off. trying to do it right all over the place. And there's just not a, a cohesive a per usual. There's not a cohesive piece of policy from the Federation backing those guys up. Right. So uh, there, there there is a uh, MLS is not a monolith. I mean, I, there's one thing I want to uh, I want to want people to understand because I, I even see from people who hate dislike MLS just constantly MLS 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 single entity uh I, I don't think Kansas City and Colorado are, are necessarily run in the same fashion in any in, in any universe there's a there's it's a, nice to see those animals getting different it's nice to see them evolving in their own ways in in even minutely it's nice to watch that so the last thing I, I had that I wanted to bring up before we wrap up was that um Livio Bird's current colleague at SI.com, Brian Strauss, had, uh, had uh, run afoul of the Federation. He's Brian Strauss, a very respected soccer writer, a guy that uh, has actually followed and, and, and covered the game uh, since uh, – he's not, he's not a, 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 someone who uh, was an aspiring NFL writer who ended up in soccer, right? He's not one of those right. guys. So, so, um, and, yeah, I mean, there's just something to be said. Brian and I have gone back and forth uh, and not – not always amicably, but right. for Brian to get into the sporting news, which was a a fortress against soccer reporting yes. for a good century, is a is a is a big deal. It's a big yeah. Deal. No, it was a fortress against. Yeah, they never they never even acknowledged the sport existed. And, I mean, as so, you trust me, as somebody who's gone back through microfiche galore and every news so I mean, you, soccer sporting news didn't acknowledge soccer until probably 1989. <laughs> it's right, a, whatever it is, it's absurd. So Strauss. Strauss at the sporting news, he writes that that knockup piece, uh, citing kind of anonymous sources and such. And the backlash that he faced, um, I think, may have uh, set us up for where we are now. Because uh, and then of course Strauss uh, ended up at SI.com after he was released from the sporting news, uh, uh, apparently for yeah. Just shout out to SI.com for having guys like Brian and Livy Bird on. I mean, I'm impressed. I'm I'm very as impressed. much as I'm not a Grant Wall fan. Look, I mean, for SI to have those two guys on staff is a big deal, and it, maybe it enables Grant to be a little less critical, and those guys can be the ones taking the risks, and that's fine with me. That works. I mean, sports, Sporting Illustrated has been great on soccer recently. I candid to them. Yeah, I, I, I think Grant is uh, is a little more critical than several others. I'm sorry, I morphed. I morphed them there. Sports Illustrated and Sporting News. Sports yes. Illustrated. That's yeah, right. I think Grant's actually more critical than than sometimes he gets credit for. He he, he asks some some more difficult questions than others. But my well, point, like I said, and I've said this before, that story with him uh, and, and Winalda and Lawless 
if you haven't listened to that, listen to that. It's the most, it's one of the best things I've ever heard. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest stories on, on, it's a story on 1995 Copa America and, and the labor strife that went around in there. And, and if you haven't listened to it, you need to listen to that because it, 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 it and I'm an old school, like, ah, old days are good. And those, that team was way better. I am that guy, but those guys did some incredible well, things he was better than in that tournament. And they, they, they risked it all to make sure that people were treated fairly. And I, that's all I'm going to say. Listen to that. Listen to that report. It's a great story. Well, well that team, I, I don't think you know, anyone who really knows the soccer history in this country could argue that the current U.S. national team <laughs> is frontline talent. No, I'm not talking about the player no, pool guy, people. I'm not talking about the depth of the player pool and all right. we have 80 guys who can play now and we only had 15 then. That the, the starting 11 of that team who would blow away this team, but that we're not Epic. here for that. So my point is, I mean, that was no fluke. You can't do that in, 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 in Uruguay in 1995, unless you're, you know, you're, you're bringing something to the table. Yeah. You can't, be, you can't, you can't beat Argentina three nil. Sorry. On, we digress. I digress. Yes. Yeah. We digress. <laughs> um, my, but what I, what I was getting at is I think Strauss, Strauss is reporting and the backlash he faced from the Federation, the cold shoulder he faced from some some others around the game, may be impacting how reporters today are asking questions or making assumptions and doing kind of their homework on what we've talked about for the last 45 minutes or last uh, for however long we've been on there, the last 50 minutes. Because I, I think that that episode, which now has been conveniently forgotten by a lot of people, had an impact on, on those who were writers, had an impact on those in the, the business of soccer journalism, basically saying, mm-hmm. okay, well, mm-hmm. if you step out of line, that's what happens. And right. So no one well, wants I mean, to be that guy now. If no one wants ben to be Affleck the next movie comes up, maybe we'll see something. But if, if, if we have to wait for that, that's going to be a long time. I hope people aren't waiting for him to do it because – I'm sure it'll be a great movie, and I'm sure he won't. He'll have. He'll, he has no. Re, he has no reason to be scared of anybody. He's going to go in and tell whatever story he wants. But in the meantime, I hope some other people can can step up and tell the story too. Yes. So those of us at World Soccer Talk, we we tried uh, tried our darndest with our our resources. We don't quite have the resources of some of these other publications. Uh, Christopher Harris, myself, Juan Arango, uh, when Simon Evans uh, was, was was working with us, also uh, Simon's doing some great work. But of course, he is seen in in some circles as a foreign journalist. So uh, you know, he's been here for he's been living in Miami for a long time. Um, I can attest to that, uh, being being a friend of Simon's. That, uh, but the people who regularly cover U.S. soccer, I think, have been a little bit frightened by what happened to Brian Strauss. So that's just my premise right. on this. Uh, let's wrap this or up. Or you go back to Chris to Chris Bianchi back, yeah. back when he was working as an MLS stringer for for MLS. I mean, you go over that go go look up his name and go follow that story if you want to, you know. Or go back to Clint to the press conference following Klinsman's comments on promotion relegation. I mean, Garber couldn't have been more clear. He said, "You either align with our narrative or you're done." He, he I don't think I'm paraphrasing all that much. You're like align or we don't have any use for you. Yeah, this is a this is a conversation for another day. Maybe we're going to have you on yeah. again sometime soon to talk about this. But I know uh, Greg Lawless and Jonah Friedman and the guys at uh, MLSsoccer.com, I don't know necessarily they were being naive, but I know that they thought when they started out with that uh, independent, with that premise of an independent kind of news bureau site, they thought they were going to have a little more autonomy. And right. I think initially they did, and maybe Garber got the call from the owner, and, and you know, it would generally be the Anschutz, right, or the Kraft, uh, uh, Cronky, those types of owners say, hey, why are you letting uh, Lawless write this piece, uh, which is criticizing uh, us? This is a leaked site. It's propaganda, right? right? It's not supposed to be a news bureau. So I, I think that that tension – so now they've clamped down. Now it is propaganda, MLSsoccer.com. Right. But it was – it started out as kind of a, an interesting concept, and I, and I liked it, and I kind of wanted to go there with the NASL. I'm going to tell you, from my own personal experience, when I tried to go there with the NASL, oh my goodness, we had owners call David Downs. We had, uh, you know, uh, it, it was it was bad, and my wings got flipped trying to do the same thing with the NASL website. 
Um, I'm not going to name specific owners, but it happened with three different teams saying, wow, he's being a little too critical in his match report. He's seeing, he's seeing, uh, some things that I know we don't necessarily like in, in, in this. And it would, a lot uh, of look, it's, it's just, a, it's just the nature of the beast. If right. they're, if these guys are, are writing the paychecks, uh, it's the nature of the beast. You can't, there's no way you can get, I mean, as good of a guy as you, as anybody might be, who's paying somebody to write something. It's you know you're you're tempting fate by saying they could that person could be completely independent unless you know you're a Bob Bradley or you know unless you're the Washington Post in 1973 you know what I mean I mean it's just you're asking a lot you're asking a whole lot for for guys being paid by the league to 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 be to be independent you know that's it yeah so uh, just wrap. Wrapping this up, we got far afield on this media discussion, but I wanted to bring it up for yeah. a reason, which was Brian Strauss. Um, yeah. Where are we go? Where, where do we head next? I mean, do you think we're either going to have a deluge, which uh, takes which takes down the, the structure of U.S. soccer, and we have a completely different federation board and, and, and sweeping changes? With all or- the news today, my question is: with all the news today, and and I haven't heard a peep about this recently, but at, you know. It seems to me at some point somebody's going to come back to, and, and the senators started out with this too. For common sense to anybody outside of this game is why why bother? Why deal with FIFA at all? Why are you even a member? You know, I think Blumenthal basically said that at one point, and I was like, well, of course you're going to say that. You don't know, you yeah, know, you don't to- know what Gulati, you don't know what we know that you've got to be you've got to be involved with FIFA if you want to play any role in in, in soccer in the world, but. I, I, my question is, at what point do we does that talk start coming back of the FA and U.S. soccer and maybe the Australian Fed coming together to start a new federation and, and getting out of FIFA altogether? And with today's announcements with, with about the, the the ticket scandal and everything else coming out of FIFA, uh, some uh, you know I'm waiting for that 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 other shoe to, to drop. At some point, somebody's going to start up with that again, and then. Uh, is that is that is that in our future? Is that what's going to happen? Or, or, or is FIFA going to be so wounded that, that that's what goes on or not? Uh, that's what I'm looking at. OK, yeah, that that's that's a very, very interesting uh, train of thought. And we're going to continue to monitor the story and, and be vigilant going forward. Um, it, here, here's here's one of the things uh, that I that I kind of wanted to to uh, wrap up with here. And, and this is uh, this is an important uh uh, important premise as, as, as we look at look at things. Um, do you think that um, the the U.S. and FIFA are, um, are are kind of in 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 this kind of symbiotic relationship because FIFA likes to uh, um, likes to make money off of events in the U.S. Before we do before we do that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, which is Rabble. And if you're enjoying this episode of Divers and Cheats, which I think you have for uh, the last few weeks, especially on these sorts of topics. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor who made this entirely possible, Ravel.tv. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ravel, it's a completely new way of experiencing sports on TV. The concept is simple. The next time you want to watch your favorite soccer TV on television or football, they're doing Thursday Night Football right now uh, on Ravel. Mm-hmm. If you kind of click off our show and go to something else on the website, uh, but you're tired of the announcers because they're biased against your team or they simply aren't that good. That's a lot of them. Fortunately, press the mute button and head over to rabble.tv and listen to a real fan fans audio broadcast of the game. If there isn't one available, you can create your own broadcast. It's easy to find to sign up. It's free. You can do it with your Facebook account, your Twitter account, your Google plus account or with your email. Um, there's, there, there are no hoops to jump through. You're not going to get a million emails, uh, solicitation emails. So sign up for Ravel. With Ravel, you can listen to the broadcast on your desktop through your iOS app and now through your mobile browser, which the Ravel people tell me a lot of people are doing now. Uh, a lot of people are listening with the new Ravel interface uh, through the mobile browser. Uh, plus, you can join in the conversation, as many of you have tonight, uh, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. So take a moment uh Thank our sponsor for making this episode possible by heading over to Ravel.tv, where it's your team and your call. Uh, so, Ted, this this entire kind of symbiotic relationship between the U.S. and FIFA um, is it is it possible that FIFA FIFA's next guy? Because obviously, Blazer created things. Uh, Blatter profited. Well, okay. We don't know that Bladder personally profited off of them, but people <laughs> around Bladder, parts. right? People around Bladder profited off of them. I mean, they're 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 journalists who've said, yeah. look, he hasn't made a dime off of this, but he's just he's kind of enabled this culture, and because those people continue to support him, 
um, FIFA's coffers have gotten very big. I mean, FIFA FIFA is a law to itself. It's, it's got a bigger budget than, than most governments in this world right now. And um, there's the symbiotic relationship between the U.S. with the uh, ticket revenue, even World Cup ticket revenue when the World Cup is held wherever it's held. The U.S. seems to sell more tickets, uh, events that are held on U.S. soil, and also sponsors that are, are based in the United States. This continuing symbiotic relationship, is it is it possible to think that um, that would not exist without Chuck Blazer? I mean, is it fair or would it just have happened because it's capitalism and it's commercialization and, and it happens regardless? I think it happens regardless. I, I, my thought as you were saying that, though, is I think Sepp really wanted you know, part of his legacy to be about finally making soccer work in the United States. And I think he he, you know. Uh, it, it was like his little pet project. Like we're going to teach these Americans how to like soccer. Finally, we're going to break through and, 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 and teach these, these neophytes that, that soccer is cool and we're going to make it work. And, and I think that's more wrapped up in it than I, than, than some people recognize. And, 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 and when you're, when you're a guy like Sepp and you're, you know, you, you're kind of, your needs are at least for a long time there, it looked like his needs and his kids needs and his grandchildren needs were all going to be met. Uh, you know, he, he was concerned about his legacy. He wanted to open up the U S he wanted to turn the U S around and finally bring them into the world footballing community. And, uh, you know, for me, the interesting part is what, what, how does this change now? And, 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 you know, with, 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 with the United States being the lead and trying to take him apart, does that how does that manifest itself? But because, yeah, all that other stuff would have happened anyway. Blazer was just jumped in and, and, and had an entrepreneurial mind and said, gosh, we could sure make a lot of money by doing X, Y and Z. And and let me get in and into this culture and find a way that I can get myself set up to 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 do that. And and I also believe Chuck really likes soccer. I think he was really into soccer and, and that was part of it that kept him going. But. You know, unfortunately, we got a lot of good stuff with Chuck. We got a lot of stuff in place with Chuck. And then we found out <laughs> what went on behind the scenes to get us there. But but anyway, I think that interesting angle is is, is, is SEP, how this translates, how the FBI going after everybody is going to translate into FIFA. And if the United States stays involved in FIFA and have what the what what if there's any if there's any. If there's any kickback, not kickback, if there's any, um, you know, if there's any if there's any lasting problem in that relationship, if there's anybody that wants to get back at the U.S. for doing that and how that manifests itself. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I, I do have to point out, as Christopher Harris wrote in, in the story earlier today on World Soccer Club, uh, that uh, there were allegations swirling around Chuck Blazer as early as, as, as the mid-90s. So um, it, it's again, it's it's difficult. I mean, we, we, we saw it all come down pretty quickly, just beginning with uh, um, the Bin Hammam uh, situation where uh, where uh, Warner and, and Blazer had a 20-year kind of really important relationship from 91 to 2011. Uh, right. And, and, and that, that was the block that got Blatter in, right? That was that Caribbean block. Uh, that what right. happened was that uh, Bin Hammam went and, 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 and attempted, apparently, uh, Merrick Marquis here in downtown Miami to uh, to to bribe some Coca-Cola or CFU officials, uh, including Jack Warner, and uh, Blazer blew the whistle on that because of his relationship with Blatter. Um, at the time when that happened, I was working at the NHL at the time. I said, Ugh. "So this shows how close Blazer is with Blatter. That's not good." Uh, but of course, mm-hmm. they've been Hamam. The they were coming off Qatar getting the World Cup. There was this, this feeling in the U.S. that Blatter is like is responsible. Blatter said he voted for the United States. Um, but I, I think at that point in 2011, uh, you got to start, you got to start thinking, Oh my gosh, there's something really wrong. And then obviously Warner went to the IRS in the U S and, and had, um, had Blatter, uh, Blazer nailed so many of these things about Blazer. And again, we're running out of time here. We've got to go in about three or four minutes, but uh, so many of these things about Blazer that are detailed in Christopher Harris, history and worldsoccertalk.com. And I would, Encourage everybody to check that out at worldsoccertalk.com. Happened um, uh, standing ovations and meetings, and lifetime achievement awards, even uh, comments by uh, um, Garber publicly. Happened mm-hmm. either right as this was going on or right after, which, and, and 
they had to know at that point. Did they just think that Blazer wasn't going to get caught? Um, again, we're, we're well. We're, Garber can't claim he's not on Twitter, so he, he's been on Twitter for a long time, and so is Sunil. Uh, he doesn't use it that much, but uh, yeah, in this day and age they would be laughed into into next week if they tried to claim that they didn't know what was going on. But I think sort of the old guard and the sort of the more dinosaurs, the pre social media dinosaurs might, might make a case that you can there, you can place some kind of reasonable doubt between you and what was going on with, with blazer. And I, to do that today would, you almost have to go back before social media to do that because it's all out there. All this stuff is out there 24-7. You're hooked into it. Garber's following people on Twitter that are talking about. Gulati's following three or four people on Twitter, but he's in charge of the Federation. I mean, it's hard to imagine a world in which that information isn't getting through that that barrier to to these to these guys like Garber and Gulati. It's 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 almost unfathomable at this point. So yeah. So on that note, we're we're out of time. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening to us. You can check us out at Ravel.tv, at WorldSoccerTalk.com. You can follow Ken on Twitter at, at Soccer Reform. You can follow me on Twitter at KKFLA737. Uh, you can follow World Soccer Talk at, on Twitter at World Soccer Talk and Ravel.tv uh, at RavelTV on Twitter. Uh, so until next time, I'm Carter Krishner. Thank you for listening. And uh, this scandal is going to continue to dominate the headlines. We might have a few more shows like this. We might have Ted on again next week, the way things are going. Uh, but if not, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a, we'll, a new fresh topic. Thank you for listening and enjoy your football as always.